Welcome to the Equestrian Author Spotlight Podcast, a podcast featuring interviews with equestrian authors who love all things horses and writing about them. In each episode, you'll hear inspirational stories from horsebook authors, including writing advice and marketing tips to help you write your very own horsebook. If you're an author, aspire to be an author, or simply love horsebooks, then you are in the right place. I'm your host, Carly Cade, and creative writing makes my spurs jingle. Hi everyone, welcome to the Equestrian Author Spotlight Show. Today I am so excited to have fellow author Catherine Kane on the show. Hi Catherine. Hi Carly, I'm so glad to be here. Oh, I'm so excited to have you. So before we get into the fun part, which is the interview, I'm going to read your bio so people have a little bit of background information about you. Raised on a cattle ranch in Washington State, Kane has always loved horses, romance, and riding. My kind of girl. When her father's accidental death changed her family's circumstances, Kane put writing aside. Now, in the third chapter of her life, she has found her voice again. With fast horses and fearless heroines and a very kind, very special kind of hero, Bound in Flame is the first of a series to chronicle the history of horsewomen in Hawaii. That's exciting. So Catherine, I went, when I was galloping around your website and doing a little research for our interview today, I um, stumbled across your talk story where you kind of expand upon your bio. Can you tell us what a talk story is? Uh, I imagine that's part of uh, Hawaiian history, and you know, it just is. it's such it, it was is. so compelling. And and I will link to that in the show notes. I want people to be able to go and read your expanded version. But would you talk a little bit about a talk story and the and the history of that? One, there's so uh, many wisdoms that are embedded in the Hawaiian culture, but one of them is talk story. And talk story can be just us sitting around talking, or it can be that opportunity that you have with a friend or someone you hope will be a friend to really understand who they are, where they came from, and what makes them tick. And in Hawaii, people really seek to understand others. It's a, it's a wonderful thing. Well, that's amazing. And, you know, stories are such an important part of our culture. Obviously, we both write them ourselves, but also in, in conversation. I mean, what, what we talk about is, is created in story. I was really intrigued by your talk story. And you, you talk about how you grew up on a ranch. Can you tell us a little bit about ranch living and, and your love affair with horses, how you got involved with horses? Well, I could talk for hours about that. I know you don't want me to, but um, let me say this, that I think that um, the opportunity for any young person to grow up in a ranching environment um, gives you the ability to be strong and free in ways that kids in other environments don't get. And so for me, um, I was able, me and my dog and my horse, we just went everywhere and did everything. And so I gained this sense of self that I, it really, it made my first career and my second career, and now hopefully this third career uh, possible because I believe in myself. And you get that from ranch living. Oh, that's wonderful. And I, and I imagine um, you learn how to problem solve differently right because you know you're 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 with your horses you're with the animals you're living on the land like you yeah. have to you have to problem solve yeah. family raised cattle was that like a generation long we raised we it was no it was a thing that my father came to late in life we moved to the ranch when i was two or three years old so that's you know really my first memories of life and um he, we raised Galloway cattle. If you've ever heard of them, they're big and black and fuzzy, <laughs> and they often go to places like South Dakota and Montana where it's very cold. Anyway, we had some of the best in the world at that time um, on our ranch, and that's what we did. So it wasn't like we had big cattle drives, that sort of thing, but you were still out with the animals. And I think the other thing you learn from ranch living and also from horses is the ability to be present, mm. to be right there, and to, because animals are so in the present, if you don't join them, you can't get them to do what you want. 
Mm-hmm. And I love that. And, and that is completely my experience with animals and particularly the horses. It's like all right now and it, it, everything else kind of melts away. You're just in the moment with them. And I, I love that analogy. So this, this is really interesting. So, so you grew up on a ranch and you, and you live the ranch life. And now you live in Hawaii part time um, every year. So you just, you're just, you're there now. You're, you just flew in, right? And you're, you're so gracious to take yes. this interview with me yeah. um, and you're yeah. jet lagged and, and you're still here, which I love. And that makes me so happy. Uh, so tell us how living in Hawaii part-time came to be and, and what is it like? I can only imagine that's really amazing and fantastic experience. Tell us about, about that. Well, um, the other great love of my life is the ocean. I loved to be in the ocean, near the ocean. And we, um, over the years, vacationed a number of places. And then as we got close to retirement, um, we started coming to the big island of Hawaii and fell in love with the place, absolutely fell in love. And we had an opportunity about eight years ago to buy a townhouse and we bought it. We are on the Kohala coast. And so we're here three months of the year. And, um, you know, the older you get, the more you hate the cold. So it's a really great place. That's why I live in Arizona. I do not like snow. I do not like wet feet. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, there's things I love about the Pacific Northwest, but I really do. This is the home of my heart is what I tell people. Just such an extraordinary place. We, We are very blessed to be. Yeah. So I imagine you, you have lots of mornings where you start your day walking on the beach and, you know, I can only imagine that's like a wonderful way to start your days. Well, it's the Kona coffee, honey. Here, let me do the visual. (laughs) I got the Kona coffee. (laughs) That's the, that's the biggie. And I am then looking out, we can, we have a peekaboo view of the ocean from here. And on, when there's big surf, we can sit and listen to the surf and read the news or a book. Oh, that's and, wonderful. Yeah. So, cheers. I'm a coffee girl too. Yeah. I run this go. rodeo. Cheers. <laughs> coffee cheers. <laughs> so that's, so this, this fits perfectly with, with what we're going to talk about next, which is, which is your new book. And before we hop into the book, you created the world of the Hawaiian Ladies Riding Society to tell the stories of the fearless horsewomen of the island's ranches. Wow, you know, tell us more about about the Hawaiian Ladies Riding Society and and you know what you're doing with that with that work. Well, one of the things that happened, uh, some of this stuff happened almost by accident. I knew I wanted to start writing again, um, but I didn't have anything that captured my heart until um, the two things happened. First. Um, I saw a parade where the women were doing the traditional, it's called pa'u riding. And that is where they wear the traditional costumes that they wore for the last 200 years to be able to ride through the brush and work, except for, of course, now they're silk and satin. But um, so I saw that. And then I was in um, the Hulahi'i Palace, which is one of the royal palaces here on the Big Island, turned around and saw a picture of a woman and said, who is that? Mm. And it was the woman who was destined to be the next queen of Hawaii if Hawaii had survived. Her name was Kayulani. And I began to research her and discovered among other things, she was an amazing horsewoman. And then I began to meet horsewomen in Hawaii and hear the stories of themselves, their mothers and their grandmothers uh, and how they lived. And it's just really a, an untold part of American history. Um, in the community that I got involved with, it became clear that adding a fantasy and magic element would be an enhancement so um, the books have a very strong, fantastical element. And, that, and that's really incredible. The women and horses are a big part of the history of Hawaii. And, and that's actually when I was, um, you know, looking at your website, I didn't, did not know that. So there, there's a lot of information yeah. to be shared that, that you're taking on and, and sharing. So 
so is the Hawaiian Ladies Writing Society something people can join? Like, how does how does it how does it work, or, or is it an organization you're developing there on the islands? Well, um, right now it's a fictional um, device because. Um, in this first book, they just begin talking about the Hawaiian Ladies Writing Society. In Hawaiian history, one of the things the women did is they formed community organizations. And there were community organizations uh, formed in the early 1900s to make sure that they did not lose their pa'u horseback riding traditions. Mm. And so this is modeled on one of those. Um, it also appears that they were very political. Uh, Hawaiian women have always been political and always been at the forefront of trying to do what they believed is right. So the there's the fictional one, but we are beginning to call the members of my newsletter, the members of the Hawaiian Ladies Writing Society, because they're getting all the news about what happens. Wow, that's really great, which leads us to your book. So you just had a book launch. It's like brand new, hot off the press. So yes. tell, tell us about this first book. Uh, I, I'd love to hear more. Yeah, well, it was just Monday. So um, I am still, uh, I still got my, my baby weight. Let's put it that way. <laughs> it must that be over the moon. I am over the moon. And you know, Carly, that's a lot what it's like because it's a huge labor, a labor of love mm -hmm. to get a book out the door. I'm going to, you just have to see because it's all so pretty. It's very beautiful. For those it's of you that pretty. are watching us uh, on YouTube, <laughs> Catherine is holding up the cover of her book. Hold it yeah. up for us. It's so pretty. Yeah. Well, and when I worked with the cover designer, we wanted to try and capture the feeling of what it's like to be in Hawaii and mm -hmm. the beauty and the fragrance mm -hmm. of the uh, of the whole scene and if you look at some of the pictures that I've got on the website of these women the other tradition is that the horses were often flower bedecked there's a traditional lei that the horses wear oh, for all the yeah. occasions and the other thing that I that um, fascinated me early on was realizing that um, because of the rough roads if somebody was going like to a fancy social event you'd put on your gown and then they would wrap you in calico in this pau style so you could ride astride in your ball gown to these very fancy parties and then get off and you would be unwrapped like a beautiful package and you would go and you looked phenomenal, but you'd still ridden your horse there. So it's not like <laughs> carriages. Isn't uh -huh. it incredible? That is incredible. And, and will you talk a little bit more about the, the Powell uh, history and, and what it exactly looks like for people that are listening? This is the, this is the, what the women wore when they, or still wear when they're riding yeah. their horses. Well, if you go to the history of horses on the Hawaiian islands, they showed up in the early 1800s. And the king was kind of going, what are these big dogs? They eat a lot. He wasn't <laughs> excited. But the women, the queens figured it out almost right away. And women actually became um, the, the, the people that were most excited about the horses and began riding very, very soon after the horses arrived on the island. And then... Um, after the missionaries came, they started wearing those big flowy moo-moos. And how, do you, how are you going to ride a horse in a moo-moo? Well, that <laughs> takes a little art form. And so the, the, the pow wrappings began. Also, there's very heavy brush if you ride uphill in Hawaii, you will see it. So they began, they created a method of wrapping themselves. It takes nine to 12 yards of fabric um and rope and they use kukui nuts to roll it and around your waist mm -hmm. to hold it together mm -hmm. um there aren't any good videos of this being done one of my goals is to make sure we get a good video yes. but there are several women who are keeping that tradition alive there was a fabulous article in vogue actually that i've got as a pinned tweet on my twitter feed that shows how people um, did the wrapping. And it's actually coming back just like the Hawaiian language is experiencing a beautiful renaissance. Very cool. And so do they ride side saddle being wrapped? No. So, that, so they wrap each leg it, individually? It comes through, it, it looks like harem pants almost. Okay. 
I'll send you a picture of uh, one of my mentors um, that uh, is, she's considered to be kind of the dean of all this throughout the islands. And uh, for, we didn't have a launch party here in Hawaii, but I had a party for all the women who helped me make sure that it was culturally accurate. Mm -hmm. And she came wrapped. Oh, that's like amazing. a package. Yeah, it was very cool. Yes, please send the picture and I'll include that in the show notes so people can see what this this traditional you yeah. know, dress for riding horses looks like because I, I am completely curious and this is like this is so fascinating. So so the book, let's let's go back to your book. Tell us uh -huh. the title and give us a little like summary of, of what people can expect. And this is the this is your debut novel, correct? And this is yes. going to be part of a series, which is even more exciting. So share a little bit about the title of the book, what it's about, and then where, where you're going to take, where you're going to take this, this wonderful um, dedication of fiction to the Hawaiian culture. So this is, again, as you said, this is the first book of what we hope will be the Hawaiian Ladies Writing Society series, mm. chronicling, chronicling a number of different um, women's lives in Hawaii. And in this first book, Miss Letty Lang has been sent away to boarding school on the mainland which many, many women were actually in those times uh, because she ha had a fiery temper and she uh, comes home and takes a flying leap off a ship to find a brand new destiny. She discovers that um, her natural healing powers come from the land and that she has important work to do for her people. So that's the, that's the essence of it. Um, the, she is struggling to be both a modern woman and someone who also embraces her historical culture, which I think is a, a challenge for many nowadays. Mm. And in her struggle, she is looking at combining the mystical with the scientific. She's studying to be a veterinarian. Oh. And so many women are veterinarians now, but back in the early 1900s, women were actively discouraged because they said that uh, we weren't big enough or strong enough to be able <laughs> to handle large animals. Well, that, that's wrong. Um, and this heroine is proving them wrong. That's great. And so the, the horses in the story, they are, are just as important, right, as her journey. Is, is that right? Or, or how do the horses appear? The horses, the horses um, one of the things that I felt was missing in, in some of the other historical romances that are out there is the horses are treated like furniture. And the reality is if someone is a talented horsewoman, you have a relationship with that horse. That horse has a personality and you have, a, for example, there's a description in the book of her riding her father's stallion um, who has a bit of a sense of humor and he's mischievous and he does stuff like they're reaching around to try to nip her toe. I mean, they do things like that. They sure do. They, you know, and it, they, you have interactions. You know, one of the criticisms the book has gotten is that it's too horsey. Um, but I, either you love horses or you don't. There's a polo, there's a horse race, there's horses having serious medical problems that she is dealing with. And those situations are described in a way that if you love horses, you'll be really able to get into the action. For sure, in my opinion, is nothing can be too horsey. My goodness. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really. What's wrong with you people? <laughs> I know. <laughs> That's right. And here's the thing: there are there are plenty of horse lovers. So there, this this book has legs. It's gonna go everywhere. And and well, it's got four legs. <laughs> yeah. Here you go. <laughs> Please. No, I it, I write for those women who had the plastic horse toys, you know, when we were kids, the giant plastic horse toys oh, and those kinds sure. of things, mm -hmm. because you really, really love them. Yeah. Once a horse lover, always That's a horse lover. It's, it's in your blood, right? You know, we all had the briar horses and the My Little Ponies and the, yeah. you know, I, I never wanted the Barbies. I just wanted the Barbie horses. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So uh, that's really that's really fantastic. And so in your um, novel, you know, it's a historical novel. So so how did you research your novel? Tell us a little bit about how you found inspiration in the Hawaiian history and, and what you did to to get the facts right. I mean, you already mentioned a group of of readers that helped you fact check, which is fantastic. Um, what what else did you do to research this? You know, it's, it was quite a journey and a wonderful one. Um, one of the things I learned early on is that 
when you are writing history in a place where there were and are indigenous people who, um, whose lives were upset by the arrival of Western culture, um, you can't trust most historical re references. Mm -hmm. You can't trust Google. I jokingly told people that I had learned the hard way that Google was not my friend because mm -hmm. that's written from a very uh, Western culture centric, white person centric um, place. Mm -hmm. And so what I began doing is doing what I could, even though I don't read or speak Hawaiian, to get back to original sources. And I spent a lot of time just saying, tell me this, tell me about that, tell me about your grandmother, tell me. And I had experiences of, I had one experience that I actually had written an essay about where I ended up in the Hawaiian archives and they're giving me all the stuff. You know, when you do research, you know what to ask for, right? But if you know what to ask for, you only get what you ask for. Right. And the thing you might want to know is the thing you don't know enough to ask for. So I had been in the, uh, the archive building in Honolulu, and I'd been asking for things. And the two ladies behind the desk gave me the, gave me the side eye and a third degree. But what are you doing? What are you doing? Uh, if you're white in Hawaii, you're called a haole. It's like they didn't say haole lady, but it was like, what are you doing? <laughs> Those are the kinds of things I was asking for. And then once they got it, they they brought me out the first thing, which was someone's family album with oh. pictures of kids and ponies and all kinds of amazing things. And then I said, oh, that is, I mean, I was ecstatic. And she goes, nobody ever wants to look at that. We have many things like that. And that she just opened the floodgates and brought out all these records of, of real families and real women. And it was amazing. What an it's adventure. Time. Oh, my goodness. Oh, it's been, it has been phenomenal. It has been phenomenal. The, the only thing I'm, that's hard for me is our lifestyle is such that um, I don't have a horse and won't have one. They don't fit in your carry-on. Right? <laughs> well, if only they we travel all the time oh and i think horses like they like relationships with their people where they see their people absolutely do you ever uh get out and do maybe a little ride uh through the mountains i'm sure they offer that there just to get your your horsey horsey feels oh my man my mentor has told me she she's finally decided she's got the perfect horse for me she um yeah if if we had uh, hours to talk about it She's, she lives, she's the matriarch of her ranch. They've been on the ranch since 1840, her family. Wow. She took us up to the top of their ranch, which is on a mountainside here, to see King Kamehameha's original cattle pen from the, from the late 1700s, which is still up there to stone walls. I mean, the history here of ranching, if, if you love ranching and you and you love the, the strength and the backbone and the values of the people who ranch. This mm -hmm. is a great place to be. That's incredible. I actually, I'm envisioning a nonfiction book for you once you're, once you're finished with your fiction series about the history yes. of ranching in Hawaii. It could be because all this is so intriguing and, and it could be such a, a great testament to the people that you're working with and, and the things that you've discovered. Yeah. So put yeah, that, put that the, on your to-do list. <laughs> yeah, really. Just one more thing, right? Um, yeah. So, and, and, and so obviously the Hawaiian history um, excites you and you've met some really incredible people. And I wanted to talk to you a little bit about uh, what excites you about including horses in, in this book, not only just for their history with, with the Hawaiian culture, but, you know, you have elements of romance and fantasy. So can you, can you talk about, I mean, you picked up the pen um, years later, so you, you've just now, you know, you decided you're going to yeah. take on writing. What inspired that and what inspired you to choose romance and, and fantasy with an element of equine? <laughs> sound like woo-woo or anything, but the stories just started dancing in my head. Oh, that's the best feeling. Literally. Literally. And, you know, I would go and so I started seeking out um, ways to, um, where women would be doing this power writing to watch it and to and I would just walk up to people and introduce myself I and because that's the kind of gal I am and um 
and I just started seeing it and the story started coming and the magic seemed very, very, well, Hawaii is a magical place, period. And the magic system that's in the book is based on one some of the beliefs that are really embedded here, which is the belief in the importance of the any person's intention. Mm. That um, if you may have done something stupid, but if you, well, you were trying to do something good and your intentions were good, then that matters. Intentions matter. So in the magic system, it is about harnessing your intentions. Mm. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. It's, and it's, there are many cultures who respect that human intention um, has power. That's great. This is one of them. Oh, yeah. Oh, cool. And so that's a, that's a theme through your book. And, and I imagine that is, um, you know, helping your leading woman in her journey. Yeah. Yeah. They actually have, there's, um, when people get sideways here, they have a process um, where they get everybody in the room. And the first thing that you do is you understand the other person's intention. It's really different than what we would do, which is let's get the facts. Who did what to who, you know? No, it is let's understand and clear the person's intention. And then when you bring people together to say, everybody was just trying to do the best they could, then you can get on to, well, this went awry and this went awry and this went awry. And then you can find a way to fix it. I love that. I mean, this, this sounds so much more authentic and full of it integrity is. in order to, to figure out, you know, what was at the root of an, of someone's actions, you know, rather than finger pointing or, you know, the rumor mill going. I, I love the idea of, you know, bringing together the community to discuss what was the intention behind this action and how do we resolve it? That that's just how do we how do we make it right? How do we make it right? So I mean, part of the big inspiration for me was realizing that we had begun seeing a side of Hawaii that most people never see. Mm. They come, they have a tiki drink, and they leave, and that's it. And so my goal was to begin writing something that was really accessible and fun. I mean, you would want to sit with this on the beach, right? Oh, absolutely. But it's got good history <laughs> and culture in it um, and would give people a chance to realize that there are other things for them to see. And don't get me wrong. I like a drink with an umbrella in it as much as the next gal. I love them. Mm-hmm. But there's so much here to see. And if I can help in any small way um, to get people to go, wow, there's a lot to see here. There's some difficult history here, um, but it's interesting and I want to care about it. That makes me tick on these books. That's beautiful. And I, you know, I think what you're doing for, for the history and the culture is beautiful. And, you know, now that you're there in Hawaii, I envision you galloping around the islands on a little book tour uh with your books (laughs) you should put that together and go go to some independent bookstores and you know set up shop and i I can see tourists down the beach miles and miles reading your wonderful story about the the island and getting hooked on your series i mean well this is there's a big cruise ship coming in this week and i've got some friends joking that they're going to set me up a table right on the dock (laughs) i think go for it you know i would do it i would do it and, and, and I can also see, you know, part of, part of your book tour, um, like speaking engagements, talking about, you know, your historical discoveries and the, and the fullness of the branching on the islands and how women were connected to their horses. I, I just, I can see so much. <laughs> and I know, I know you can do it. That's, that's really wonderful. Um, because I would certainly want to take your book with me on vacation, particularly if I were going to Hawaii, because I would feel like embedded, you know, like learning about, learning about it while enjoying a fiction you know, read on the beach, learning about the island that I'm visiting and maybe encouraging me to go do some of these things that aren't just tourist destinations. So well, the other thing I hope to be able to do is empower the voices of the women themselves that are living the, the challenge of trying to preserve all this culture. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we'll be looking for opportunities to do that too. But I just, these stories needed to be told. So I got the, I got out there and did it. I think that's great. And then is there a message in this book that you hope readers will grasp when, as they move through the series? 
Yes, there is. And I, it's a message that um, I think goes beyond um, the historical part. Um, my personal experience and the experience of many strong women that I know is that women tend, who tend to really doubt themselves. Mm. And what the message that is embedded in this book and will be in all the books is if you don't embrace all of yourself, and that includes the fact that maybe you're bossy, maybe, you know, maybe you get in people's way, maybe you have a fiery temper, but that's who you are. You got to embrace the whole thing because if you do not embrace all of yourself, you can never fully embrace another person. Oh, what a wonderful message. And, and so true. I, I think women can tend to be a little hard on ourselves. We take on so much and, you know, want to perform at our best. And sometimes that can be an, a little overwhelming. I think, you know, we, we love other things so much. We need to really take care of ourselves and love ourselves. And what a fantastic message to deliver through your writing. Thank you. Yeah. And so, you know, this is your debut novel. I mean, you, you yeah. always loved writing, but you, you know, after the passing of your father, you kind of put that in a drawer and shut it. And now you've returned to it. Would you share um, advice that you would have for an aspiring author or someone who wants to write, but maybe put their work in the drawer and um, has stopped writing? You know, like what inspired you to return to writing? Uh, you know, obviously Hawaii and the culture and the things that you're uncovering, but what advice would you give to an aspiring author that maybe feels stopped? Well, the first thing you've got to do is just write. And one of the things I learned early on is you need to either sit down with pencil and paper or get to your laptop and just get some words on the page. Mm. Just even if what you're writing is, I feel like an idiot. I don't know if I can write any good stuff, but I'm writing. Mm -hmm. Write that because what they know about human brain function and writing is if you write, you will write more, you will write better and ultimately you will begin to write what's coming from your heart. Hmm. But it just takes a while. You just got to keep writing. And um, so that would be my first piece of advice. Uh, there's three things really. The second thing that I didn't do soon enough and I would advise people to do is to join whatever professional organization for writers you think is most relevant to you or join several. I am a member of two. And where I go to the conferences, I go attend webinars, I am, it pulls you into the writing community in a really positive way. And I'm just going to say, Carly, a lot of what I see you doing online with Writers Unite, I think is really supporting that of writers need to be together and learn from each other. It's really a great, a great thing. Um, and then the third thing I would say is if you can afford it, hire a professional editor. I had done all the courses and all kinds of things. And I actually, I'd written nonfiction books before. Working with a professional fiction editor just was a mind-blowing experience. And one of the things that I knew I wanted was to, um, I, this book is self-published, mm. but I wanted to do what I could to get the quality of it to be on a par with the best books out there with the, I don't know about you, but sometimes when somebody like forgets the person's name when they're writing in the middle of this, it pulls you out of your fantasy mm -hmm. and uh, professional editors will make sure that you have the quality of what you want to get out in the world. Absolutely. I mean, you know, independent publishing is such a powerful opportunity for, for authors, but we also have to be very responsible um, and make sure that what we're releasing into the world is the very best product that we can release. And, and editing is a very big part of that, you know, and, and don't, don't think you can edit things yourself because after you've looked at something a hundred times or gone over something a hundred times, you miss things, you know, and, and what, do. yeah. And a professional editor can make your story stronger um, it can really catch those errors that that you're not seeing anymore, and it and 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 I think it's also it's a, like a you you have to do it. This is something that you have to do to release the very best product into the world, and it it can be expensive, but you can also work with um, aspiring editors. A lot of the people that I've worked with on my journey, my author journey, have been people who are aspiring to be 
to be um, a professional editor or my the woman that records my audiobooks so her dream is to be a, a voiceover person or I don't a narrator you know mm -hmm. I, so I gave her I gave her that open door and there's also there's an opportunity there to maybe negotiate on price until they're established so there there are a lot of different avenues you can go but I think, really what you, I think what you suggested editing 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 is so so important I wanted to go back to you mentioned being a member of um, professional organizations can you talk a little bit about uh, the organizations you're a member of and tell us a little bit about them so um, I'm a member of two that are primarily writers organizations. Um, one is the um, Pacific Northwest Writers Association. Yeah. Um, and they have a fabulous conference every year. Um, it's really a great organization. And the other one is Romance Writers of America. Mm. And Romance Writers of America has chapters. And um, some of the best content that I've gotten has been things that come through the chapter. So I'm a member of the national organization. I've been to the conference twice now. Um, but where I, without having to travel to the conference where you get a lot of good content is um, in these, ch in these chapters. So you pay a little bit extra. And so there's local chapters. I belong to a couple of virtual, uh, uh, internet only chapters where people are have chat rooms and we're sharing information. It's mm -hmm. really good. That's it's excellent. Really good. You will learn a lot. Great. And then uh, talk to us a little bit about the conference. I haven't I haven't been to the Romance Writers of America conference, but I've heard it's a blast. Like, what did you get a lot of information from it? Did you San meet a lot Francisco, of San Francisco? Yeah, next year, hun, you oh. gotta go. We're gonna gotta have go. to meet. We'll have to meet up yeah. there. So, yes. so tell us a little bit about the conference. What was that like? Well, what's interesting about the conference is that people are very friendly. You will um, rub shoulders with authors whose names you recognize. Mm. Um, and just being in the room is great. They, they do different tracks. They, they structure it differently every year. But they have craft, which is how to make your writing better. And they have marketing. Mm -hmm. And then they have things about the economics of, of the book industry. I think I, even when you're independently published, I think it's important to understand what's going on in tr the traditional publishing world. Absolutely. Um, the traditional publishing world, in my view, is um, it's not in a death spiral, but it's in, in the midst of some very ugly transformation. I don't think that they've totally figured out who they're going to be yet and um wh what i found is being there and kind of understanding what all the issues are helped me make better decisions about self-publishing um yeah it was it, it both conferences have been phenomenal and the people that i have met have been phenomenal i've got i've got people who've become new friends that mm -hmm. I actually, like the last conference, I was sitting next to a woman at a marketing seminar. When she's looking at her phone, she starts screaming because she's just gone on to get on the USA Today bestseller list. <laughs> That's and incredible. It, was, it was just a wonderful moment with her. She had busted her butt to get there because mm -hmm. that's what you got to do. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, she'll be a friend for a long, long time. Wow, that's wonderful. So, so yeah, you really would recommend joining joining these groups, and then the, the local chapters do do have meetups too, um, where you can they meet do. person, right? Because I travel constantly, almost mm -hmm. constantly. Mm -hmm. um, I've not done the meetup type of meetings. I do all the virtual stuff, um, but the, I've gotten my money's worth just from the virtual stuff. For sure. And, yeah. And you were saying they offer webinars and different things. Is that like on a monthly basis or do they have a catalog of things that you can go through? Like how does well, that they have a catalog, but um, every single one of the chapters has their own deal. Hmm. And so in the chapters I'm in, so you will see what all the different chapters are doing. And part of what I like about this system is rather than I've been in professional organizations where there's one big overarching and they say, this is what it's going to be. This is very grassroots. The things are inexpensive. I've never had anything be more than $30 that I wanted mm -hmm. to do. A mm -hmm. lot of it is free as a part of your chapter membership. Mm -hmm. uh, and 
you will be online with other people facing the same problems and get to getting to see what how they fix their problems that's or not in some cases right (laughs) Uh, and well and and i think it's a really fabulous way to educate yourself right like the most important thing about being an independent author is educate yourself you know there are a lot of resources available there you know there are a lot of organizations to join there are conferences to go to there's you know a wealth of information just you know, doing a Google search. So, so being educated, just like you were talking about the editing is, you know, is important, you know, you have to know what's going on in, in our industry and, and how to make, you know, changes because so much has changed just in independent publishing in just the last five years since I've been part of it. So it's like, well, I can only imagine the growth that we're going to see and experience in the next five years. So, um, well, what did, I just got the stat a couple of days ago. Uh, in this last year, 1.7, I think, or it's either 1.4 or 1.7 million self-published books wow. hit the market. That's incredible. That's- well, it's incredible. And it's, but, and think about the difficulty then of saying, I want somebody to find my book, mm-hmm. let alone like it. Mm-hmm. They have to just find it, which is why some of the work that you're doing is so important for authors. Well, and I, and it, it, means a lot to me to hear that feedback. Thank you. I'm, I'm glad, I'm glad that it's making a difference. And, and that's, what's important to me is, is uplifting fellow authors and sharing their stories and, and spotlighting them and giving them a platform in which to share about their books and, and inspire other authors, right? Like the knowledge that you're sharing is so valuable. And this is the kind of information, you know, that I'm hoping to share like things that you didn't know about. You'll hear from another author and another author may not know about something that you talked about, but then, you know, someone who wants to write their own horse book, like I'm hoping to provide knowledge because when I started, I didn't know where to start. Right. You know, so it's like, and, and I just, I learned, I learned from watching my peers and I'm hoping, I'm hoping to help make that a little bit easier. So I'm, I'm glad to hear that you're enjoying it. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, it's a good thing. Yeah, it's I, I just love it when authors unite. It means a lot to me. Do you have any writing rituals or routines in order to get to get the words on the page? I know you talked about just sit down and, and write. Um, but do you do anything like fun like light a candle or have a particular time or how do you get how do you how do you get the words on the page? I have a collection of forty two vintage mumus. <laughs> I wear them. Awesome. And- they are, it's the most, it, it, again, Hawaiian women have their act together. You look at all that fabric and you go, gosh, wouldn't that dress be hot? No, they're designed so when you walk, they flow around you uh-huh. and cooling air comes up. I love them. And so I started wearing them because I was describing, you know, I was describing how people felt in their clothes as part of the books. And I got, I have to wear these clothes if I'm going to describe this and um yeah so i wear them i drink kona coffee and i wear mumus i love that you're like totally authentic and in, into the hawaiian <laughs> vibe i wish you had worn a mumu today so we could see one of your fabulous writing mumus. well i actually looked at that and i said no i want the they the book would not stand out against my mumus they are just <laughs> So they're vibrant, I imagine. They are vibrant. Yeah, they're beautiful. Oh, that's beautiful. I I buy vintage ones on eBay. um, And there's, the fabrics are just extraordinary. That is great. So I would not have thought thought that. That's a cool writing routine. It like probably gets you totally in the mood. Um, So you just released your first book. You're up to so much and doing such, such cool things and you're involved and you're educated and you've got your editor. What beyond writing, you know, the next few books in the series, what are you curious about? Like what, uh, what is, what, what's jingling your spurs right now? <laughs> what are you thinking about for the future? I think for me, a lot of what's going on is, I, I would say that uh, I thought that I'd launch the book and then it would be like, okay, that's done. Wrong. <laughs> um, I'm drinking from a fire hose, learning about the connective tissue that you have to build in order to get people to find the book. Mm-hmm. I, I did some things on, the, on a buildup, but the follow on, um, I... I'm working with a publicist. I'm uh, doing a lot of things on social media. 
Um, and I'm discovering that readers want to hear from me. Mm-hmm. So I can't go back in my hole and write book two. I have to figure out a way to remain personally authentic, because I think this is a huge thing for authors, to figure out how to be authentic, mm-hmm. um, but still give people the, the, and readers the touches they need to keep them engaged and wanting to be a Catherine Kane fan. So that's, I'm learning every day. I'm getting, I'm watching other authors mm-hmm. as to what they do. Um, also to be able to not overshare. I mean, it's really clear as I'm learning that readers want to know you as a person, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But they don't want oversharing. Mm-hmm. Well, and, <laughs> so and I also think they don't want constant advertisements for your book either you know like the the graphics that just spin by on Facebook with like you know the cover of the book and then by now or or what have you you know and you're right they they want to have a relationship with the author of the book um and I think often that that inspires someone to want to try out try out your your work right you know I mean just hearing about your learnings about the the Hawaiian culture and these women as you know and in the things that they do and as horsewomen I I'm like so curious you know what I mean and I think I think that that's the story you want to share is is about this culture and it sounds like you're you're heading that direction which is really cool well and I am providing recipes for tiki drinks because Ooh. we all actually <laughs> like them <laughs> I love them. that's so awesome I think that that's really fantastic. Yeah. You should get a, um, you know, a, a, a bound in flame tiki cup that you can. Uh, oh, I'll, I got one. I'm sending it to you. Oh my gosh. I love it. Do you have it there? I'd love to see what it looks like. No, I don't have one, but I will send you, I'll send you the photo. They're adorable. A, um, an artist, um, uh, two artists work together to create them based on the um, hibiscus logo. And they're the insulated ones because, you know, you want your tiki drink cold. Oh my gosh. That's a great <laughs> idea. Definitely send me the pictures. I'm going to put them in the show notes because I want people to see this fantastic item. I, I yeah. like, I'm excited. <laughs> yeah, we will be doing, we will be doing uh, tiki mug giveaways. Well, what's, what's neat is when you have more books in your series written, I would love to have you back on the show and we can have a tiki drink together. And rather than cheersing with coffee, we can cheers with our tiki drinks the next time around. What do you think? Oh yeah. It's, we'll be doing Aloha Friday. (laughs) Fantastic. I love it. You can do it. Yeah. So I just wanted to say thank you for the gift of your time and thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It's like you shared so much great information and I'm so excited about your book and I wish you best of luck. And I would love it if you would share with uh, listeners where they can find you online and where they can find your books. Well, I'd love to encourage listeners to go ahead and find the website and it is katherinekane.com, and Kane is K-A-Y-N-E, katherinekane.com. I'd love to encourage you to sign up for the newsletter once you find the website, and on the website, you will find, um, currently, we just have the link to Amazon up, but we've got the links coming for your independent bookstore, Mm -hmm. as well as for iBooks, and also, we just now got it set up, so you, you could request this at your local library, and be able to get a digital book. That so is great. Digital and print. Yeah. So I'm a big fan of libraries. Um, and we wanted to be able to make sure we, the book was as accessible as possible. So that's, wonderful. that's how you do it. Go to the website is the best way or follow us on Facebook or Twitter. I have to admit, you might also be seeing some of those annoying pop-up ads because I'm doing some of those because I want to get the word out. Oh no, they're not. They're not <laughs> annoying. It just can't be every day that you're sending those. I think, I think it's like uh, the... Well, it can't be all you do. Right. Right. Exactly. And I think, you know, you're right there in Hawaii. So like the you can share beautiful pictures of your adventures and the places you're traveling. And, you know, it's like, I wasn't telling you not to do that. You have to do that. But it's like, I think yeah. the ratio is like 80% other things, you know, 20% about 
your book or like advertising yeah. or something like that. Um, I don't know exactly what those are, but you know, for, for every one post that's advertising, there needs to be a bunch more other, other stuff, you know? So, uh, cause we don't want to drive our readers crazy either. We love our Dude. readers. <laughs> so I am so excited about this interview and I cannot wait for people to listen in. And you know, it's so funny. It's like Hawaii seems to be a theme with the podcast I've recorded lately. Um, MJ Evans, who is another author, um, she, she actually just got back from Hawaii and I talked to her on Wednesday. So it's like, uh, must be a popular time to go to Hawaii. It's probably because everything is oh, cold. Oh, it's a beautiful time. Yeah. It's a beautiful time. It's what's called Makahiki season here, mm. which is kind of the end of, and one last thing, they, the uh, Hawaiian queens used to do big rides around all the islands with their people for Makahiki. So if you come to Hawaii, this is the time to take a horse ride. And Makahiki is, what is Makahiki? It is like uh, the season of the harvest and games and a chance to rest and rejuvenate. Oh, that's fun. It's a, be it's a be beautiful season. And yeah. okay, I have to know, what is the temperature and weather like right now? <laughs> it is 78 and there's a light breeze and a beautiful low surf because I'm going swimming. Oh, that's awesome. Well, yeah. have a wonderful rest of your weekend. Thank you so much for the gift of your time. And we will talk again soon and, and do our cheeky mug cheers. It's a deal. Okay. okay. Bye, Catherine. Thank you bye, so bye. much. Aloha. <laughs> aloha. And aloha means hello and goodbye, right? Right. And it, it also means my love to you. Oh, well, so my, my love right back. Aloha. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you, Catherine. Thanks for joining us this week on the Equestrian Author Spotlight Podcast. I hope you enjoy these Q&A sessions with wonderful equine authors who love all things horses and writing, just like me. Visit my website, carlycadecreative.com, where you can read the show notes. And make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button now. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you so much for your support. Want a free guide to secrets of horse book authors? Gallop over to carlycadecreative.com forward slash wisdom to have author advice delivered instantly to your inbox. If you are an author who writes about horses and would like to be spotlighted, please let me know. Visit my contact page at carlycadecreative.com to fill out a request. I'd be happy to have you on the show too. Thank you for tuning in to the Equestrian Author Spotlight Podcast. See you next time. I'm your host, Carly Cade. Creative writing makes my spurs jingle.